Hey folks, welcome in to On to Waveland. It is the podcast here at The Athletic about the Chicago Cubs. I am Brett Taylor, joined by Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney of The Athletic. And uh, we're going to have a little fun today. Uh, no no special guest today. I feel like i got to set it up and be like disappoint everyone right off the bat. <laughs> that it's just, just us. Just the three of us. Or could, you know what that we could do? One like one of us can be the special guest. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> the two of us can be the people, and then we can be like, "Holy crap, we got Patrick Mooney on this episode!" <laughs> nice. Uh, but anyway, we do have something fun to discuss, though, because uh, the athletic and you guys, uh, and I presume John Greenberg had a healthy hand in it, uh, put together it, the. Cubs fan survey, which and you got, it was a ton of responses too, right? Like 2,500 people responded. Yeah. More than that, I believe. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, I mean like pretty, pretty healthy cross section of Cubs fans responding to just sort of like a bunch of questions on sentiment throughout the fan base, which, uh, you know, maybe it's just me. I find that kind of thing super interesting because like, I feel like I have, a finger on the pulse of what Cubs fans are thinking and feeling. And then I sort of like go over a thing like this and it's interesting to see where I'm off and where I'm not. And it's a particularly interesting time to do something like this because so much of any conversation that we could have about the Cubs right now and about sentiment about the Cubs, sentiment about this season, you know, sentiment about uh, COVID-19, it's sort of like it's taking place in this weird space and time that everything is colored by the situation right now. So I think it was it made for a particularly interesting um, time to do this. And I, I want to say I don't want to just like start rattling these off. Sorry, I, we talked before we started recording and I feel like I am setting, you know, poor Sahadev, he always follows me in the in the circle so i'm trying to buy him time right now with this like laborious segue because i set him up for failure before we started recording but being like okay yeah i won't just like make you say what stood out to you but i'm totally gonna do that uh so sahadev <laughs> what stood out to you at just sort of a surface level in in these results yeah i mean real quickly for me what what stood out was you know as much as I think Twitter sometimes becomes uh, this echo chamber, and uh, I'm sure Brett, you're you're very familiar with it. Uh, but Ricketts family got a, an A or B, like overwhelmingly, that's how they were graded, right? And I think if you went and talked to people on Twitter and take the tenor of that, it, it wouldn't feel that way. And I and listen, I understand all the myriad of reasons why people may feel an A or B is uh, is not appropriate for them. But I also I also think it's pretty clear that when, when it comes down to it, it's about wins and losses for the fans. Right. Take everything else out of it. Uh, win wins and losses. This is, you know, a golden era of Cubs baseball. And it's it's really hard to debate that. Uh, but but I, I understand why why someone would want to give them below a B. But clearly the vast majority, I believe, uh, I I. I believe it was the vast majority of people over 76% of our readers would yes. give them a B or better. So, can I read uh, the, so that, yeah, yeah, go I'm for sorry. it. Sorry. Can I read the, cause it's, uh, there was one of the comments that people dropped uh, is apropos of this point that you're making about maybe the <laughs> difference between sort of general fan sentiment versus the 
the narrow cross-section of like really aggressive Cubs Twitter. Uh, here's the quote from, from some anonymous person. <laughs> Cubs are awesome. Spent money. Made me the happiest person ever when they won the World Series. The communists of Cubs Twitter who are all deadbeat losers shut the fuck up <laughs> when they have never managed a budget in their life and should stop complaining about spending. So there you go. Yeah, that that may be that may be slightly over the top, <laughs> just a bit. But hey, that's that's one opinion that's up there. <laughs> and I think, listen, the the reality is, yeah, uh, there's there's baseball reasons to be upset too. We're talking about the middle of a window contention where you've spent almost no money the past two off seasons. Yes, they're spending money overall. Uh, but, but, you know, two quiet off seasons when you have clear holes, we've talked about this plenty, but when you have clear holes on the roster and you're not spending to upgrade it in the middle of a contention window, I, fans should, should raise a stink about that in my opinion, but that's, that's how you hold ownership accountable, uh, and, and try and try and push them towards, uh, you know, consistently fielding the best possible roster for the roster they can. I've heard enough from you two deadbeat losers. <laughs> <laughs> but I will continue on with the podcast because we're only like five minutes in. But uh, I do think the Ricketts grades, um, wherever you fall on that, I do think there is uh, a huge opportunity uh, and a huge test right now for how they manage this, how they treat their employees. Brett, you wrote very eloquently about that uh, on Bleacher Nation a couple of days ago um you know how they invest in their people and, and view the long term which they have done uh for the most part we're talking specifically within this kind of cubs silo um and because i really think this business model is going to be uh reevaluated whether it was how they've really staffed up uh <clears throat> how they've spent uh, the Wrigley Field renovations uh, are done. Um, and I think the first two questions I thought was pretty interesting. It was kind of coin flips here of would you go to a game at Wrigley without a coronavirus vaccine? And will the uh, economic fallout you know, force you to change uh, your habits and, and your willingness to spend money uh, in Wrigley Field? And I really didn't know what the answers um, would be. Uh, in some respects, I was almost surprised that uh, it was slightly over 50% saying, you know, yes, I'd go. Uh, but that's also looking at, you know, roughly half of your customer base saying, yeah, I'm good. I, I think I'll wait until things settle down or unfortunately being in a position where, um, you know, the kind of choices or kind of wants in their lives have to be modified uh, for whatever reason. I think that's uh, got to be you know, scary for the Cubs deep down. Yeah, I, I was I'm glad you brought that up because I that was one of the few um, areas of this that I just I would have had no sense whatsoever what the responses would be and what, what Mooney's referencing for those who haven't seen. I guess I should have you know mentioned this at the top, but like folks, check out the survey. It's at the site. It's at the Athletic, and it is interesting. Um, and the the very first question, very appropriate for this time, is you know would you go to a game at Wrigley Field without a coronavirus vaccine? And that is that isn't just a hypothetical question because you know the Cubs have been. What's how do you put? I 
I think they have been hopeful, as a lot of teams are, that by the end of this season, if it happens, um, they might be able to do some limited capacity attendance at games. And I think that it's interesting that the response, like Mooney said, is um, you know roughly 50-50, maybe slightly over 50% uh, that say that, yes, they would go to a game at Wrigley Field without a COVID-19 vaccine. And um, where that gets interesting for me is that, you know, if that happens this year, and even maybe early next year, depending on what the vaccine process looks like, um, you're going to have mandatory, you know, distancing and limited capacity, which may end up dovetailing with a limited demand. Because like you said, the second question is, is the economic fallout from this pandemic going to impact your ability and willingness to spend at games or in Wrigleyville? And that too was was close to 50-50 with slightly more people saying, yes, it is going to impact. And so it may end up being the case that, um, you know, health and hygiene is going to dictate limited attendance, but also you, you might have an artificial capacity by virtue of the demand piece too, because they're just financially and again, health and safety. I just don't think you're going to have the demand that you would have had in normal times. And I've been thinking about that a lot, not to, to get too off track, but I'm, and since we're on it, I think it's interesting and we haven't talked about it before. I'm curious about your guys' thoughts. Like, so right now, the financial dispute that's going on between the players and owners, it sort of harkens back to the fact that they made this deal in March in contemplation of games potentially being able to have some fans, right? Well, now they want to rework everything because the presumption is that fans will not be able to attend games. Well, built into that is the hope, like I said, that later in the year there will be able to be some attendance, some partial attendance. But given the environment and given like the questions like you guys asked where you've only got about half the people saying they'd be willing to even go like, is it really going to make that big of a difference to the bottom line? If, you know, suddenly it's like, okay, yeah, you can have a fifth capacity at your games for the final two months of the season. Like, I don't know. Am I totally off base if that in feeling like I don't have a sense at all about like, whether there's going to be that appetite when the rubber meets the road to actually go and that it's going to make much of a financial difference. Cause it's like, you're going to the game. Yeah. But it's like not the same experience. I just don't see people spending as lavishly. And I don't know. I get, I get stuck on this issue about whether it even matters if fans can come later in the year. Yeah. For me, I, I start to wonder about the logistics of it all. You're okay. So it's a limit limited capacity because we're trying to, keep social distancing rules in effect and if that's the case how are we checking if everybody lives in the same household people that come together are you like how does that work like how does waiting in lines for refreshments work or like you know food like do they can you does that work how does it work like you know serving beers in the stands still like i i don't I, i'm just not sure how you how you run this and of course these are the same questions we probably had two months ago like how is it how's how do you even bring baseball back right it's a there's some very thorough process that they that they'll have discussions to kind of you know figure out how to make this happen but right now fans go, going to a game and like having to practice social distancing and 
you know, are you sitting alone? Are you sitting with your wife and kids, your significant other, whatever it is, your buddies? Like, I don't know how that works going forward, I guess. And it's uh, like when you have so many rules in place, I just don't I don't see how they easily uh, make this uh, work. Yeah, I think not taking either side uh, of this argument, I think just to step back and look at baseball in 2021 and beyond, I think there's going to be just a, a total reckoning of what we used to think of as Major League Baseball. And we can get into all the finances and the motivations and the distrust just set that aside of like one are fans going to be willing to show up again are they going to feel comfortable buying concessions are these corporate sponsors going to be in business opening day 2021 um what sort of shape are these TV networks and media companies going to be in on the other side of this? So while the Cubs say it's, you know, just under 70% in terms of their revenues that uh, come from the game day experience, whether it's maybe more like 60, whether the major league average is 40. It's like, there's no doubt that there's an enormous amount of money at stake and that the Cubs in particular uh, are totally anchored to this idea of Wrigley Field being a year-round destination. I think you can already sense that people who work in baseball are very anxious about where this is all heading. Yeah, I, that's a it's a hard transition from that because there's other stuff that's more, you know, Cubs specific team oriented that I want to talk about. But I think that you're right that um, much like with so much with this pandemic, I just think you can't go wrong if your position is the the birth of potential outcomes is so wide right now that you're just you're nuts if you're thinking that you can predict you know whether people will come back in force whether the revenues next year will just bounce right back whether um payrolls will bounce right back next year you know it's just impossible it's impossible to do so that's why it is it is fascinating to see you know that, that uh, even before a vaccine comes into play that you're at 50 50 on on potential attendance and it's like you could that could cut in any number of directions depending on your perspective. So uh, anyway, leaving that where it is, I thought well, one of the one of the things as I was going through like the Cubs related specific questions that extremely, you know, jumped out to me was uh, the when the Cubs would win their next World Series. Like I wondered about how optimistic people were going to be um, given what we know about what hasn't been accomplished the last two years, the off seasons, as Sahad have mentioned them, knowing what we know about the development that's needed in the farm system. Um, but you had almost 50% of the responses uh, saying that the Cubs would win their next World Series within the next five years, which to me, so here's where I had a huge disconnect. 
One of the other responses was by the end of 2021, okay? That's like the window that we talk about where before a bunch of uh, free agents could potentially depart and where Theo could leave and, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. The response for that was like nothing. Like, like six people said uh, that it would be by the end of 2021. And yet you tack on the three years after that and suddenly it's 50% are saying it's going to happen. So clearly a lot of Cubs fans think the Cubs are uh, like totally have it in the bank that 22, 23 or 24, they are winning the World Series, um, which I think that actually underscores when you do surveys like this, people maybe don't always um, – like really think about what they're saying because you're really just taking an attitude temperature rather than a hard and fast number. But like, did that jump out to you guys at all? The difference between, nope, definitely not going to win it the next two years, but definitely going to win it the next five years. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I think when you, you just put it well that they're not, when they answer that, they're probably not thinking exactly in the sense of, well, these guys are going to be free agents after this year, and this is what the team may look like. I think it's just more, uh, well, the next two seasons is pretty aggressive. The next five seasons, yeah, I'm optimistic enough that you can you could sneak another World Series in there because it doesn't it, it wouldn't add up otherwise because, I mean, and I wrote this in there, like, you you got to give Theo Epstein or whoever is is in charge of things by then and made the significant moves. If they if they win in between that 22 and 24 time and not in 20 and 21, that I mean that those are some great moves being made because yeah, obviously I mean, they're not some keeping things went really yeah. really right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what pitchers are we talking about? I mean, we're talking about a team that's really hard to predict, right? I mean, that's what we talked about all offseason. That's how how critical the moves that they make over the next year or two years uh, would be for the long-term future for the you know for the next uh, for the following five to ten years right because uh, who they w- in theory who they were going to get for Chris Bryant or Wilson Contreras or whoever it was that they were going to trade uh, it was that those trades were so big uh, determining like everything as far as how well uh, the transition would go from 2021 to 2022 and beyond, and and that we don't have that information, that we don't, that we're still sitting here with no new information as far as uh, you know, no development for the for the youngsters that are in the minors, no like so much, so many questions up in the air, and the fans are still optimistic enough uh, to expect some a, a World Series or believe a World Series can happen in the next five years. I I mean that's I guess that's maybe just uh, that goes to show you that that's just the optimism of Cubs fans in general. Even even before you know Theo Epstein arrived, there was there was always that eternal optimism, even if the the organization hadn't you know really uh, done anything to to justify that sort of faith. But uh, yeah, I. I don't. I I answered all these questions, and I honestly can't remember what I said. I think I jokingly said like, uh, you know, before the White Sox, I know that much or something like that. Uh, <laughs> but I I would be I would not predict in the next five years. I you know I maybe I don't know. It's it's that's really hard to envision. But uh, yeah, okay. I, I appreciate the optimism. Well, I mean, I guess looking at from that point of view would be like. You know, every team has what like the five-year plan, right? And if you think the Cubs are already cycling out, and you know, ding, 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 the Cubs somehow thread the needle. We can use that phrase over and over again for the next like three off seasons. But 
Um, I've started reading this book, uh, Homegrown by Alex Spear. He's with the Boston Globe. He's a great uh, reporter uh, and writer. And I'm not all the way through yet, but it kind of looks at how the Red Sox transitioned from Theo to Sherrington and ultimately to Dombrowski. Um, and they kind of, I don't know if lucked into World Series is the right way of looking at it, but the Cubs are obsessed with the Red Sox and they kind of, you know, fell into that one where uh, this group of veteran relievers in the quote unquote bridge year, sorry, veteran players, free agents, all just totally outperformed their expectations. Things clicked. They had some guys left over from the previous World Series. They're uh, a big market team and Clearly, before all this, you know, Tom Ricketts has, you know, made this claim that, you know, the windows are done, that we have enough resources and talent to be a consistent contender uh, every year. And, you know, all the messaging that Cubs fans have heard since Theo got here um, makes it reasonable to think that they should win one with the next five years. I mean, that's kind of ignoring the 108 years that came before that but i don't know if baseball kind of gets back up and running again you know as a big market team i mean the yankees fans would expect to win one with the next five years obviously they're in a better spot than the cubs are right now but yankees dodgers red sox giants i mean these are the teams that the cubs measure themselves against and i think they'd have to set that standard though i mean i'm with you guys i don't think it's going to happen in the next five years (laughs) <laughs> yeah i it's fun it's just funny i was thinking i guess i'm too like statistically minded i'm like i actually wouldn't say that about any team because statistically speaking yeah. <laughs> any, any individual team it is unlikely that they will win one in the next five years um oh gosh i, I like i don't i don't i'm not like sympathetic for the dodgers but like man if if this year was lost for them it's like jesus can i mean cubs fans think they yeah. have it bad but like whew um so you know what can we that that reminds me i i we gotta mention this okay and it was um you'll forgive me because i think it was it's an athletic piece and i didn't see the particulars but there was like a round table chat right about like what this year you know let's imagine that it goes off and it's a stub year how do we like remember this year um i think i'm right so check it out folks but what i wanted to ask you guys and pontificate about myself is the idea that okay season goes off it's 82 games we know what that means in terms of like separating the wheat from the chaff it means there's just a whole bunch of more flukiness there's gonna be expanded playoffs so it's just gonna be all the more fluky and the odds are good that whichever team ultimately wins the world series um you're going to be able to have conversations later on about like, well, it shouldn't have been them or this should have happened or, oh, if it was 162 games or if it was a normal postseason, this would have happened. Um, I got to tell you, the way I feel about this, and I could be wrong, but like I feel like my reaction when, when this is all done is going to be that regardless of what may or may not have happened over a full season, being the team that wins the World Series in this year, if it happens, is always going to be remembered as like not an asterisk. It's going to be remembered as like extra special that that you were the team that year that was just so screwed up and everybody was just trying desperately to figure out a way to bring back baseball. 
you were the team that won that World Series. Uh, like, I don't know. To me, it feels like it's going to be extra special for that team. So, like, if it were the Dodgers, right, and people are like, oh, they, they just they finally made it happen. But, 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 but. I don't think so. I think the memory would be like, wow, it finally happened for them. And it was in that freaking weird, awful year. How special is it that it happened for them that year? Am I, is that landing? Yeah. I, I mean, I hadn't thought about it until you just brought it up. And my immediate reaction before you said anything was, uh, was basically what you said. Like, I, I don't want to use the word, we, we use the word overcome, you know, great obstacles in sports a lot. Right. And obviously people are trying to overcome much bigger things than trying to win a world series. But you talk about that and you think about what a team, you know, being almost ready to start the season and then everything shut down and you have to ramp it back up however it's going to go uh, there's always this it's going to be no matter what happens the rest of this way if if the season plays out if it happens there's always going to be that lingering feeling of uh oh when when's it going to shut down what's going to happen are we going to make it you know so you always have that fear in the back of your head and you have to try and shut that down like there's a lot of mental things that that players are going to go through that they're going to have to push through if if this is going to be a success uh so i i don't see i mean if you're the person you know poo-pooing a championship in this year because it was 82 games or whatever it is i don't i i i'd love i think that's a you know a short-sighted argument and it it's it's missing you know the forest through the trees here because there's a there's a bigger issue at hand and and to overcome that and and the fact that it, you know depending on what other sports are happening and and what's going on like there people there may be more people invested in this right a lot more people may be watching or paying attention we don't know exactly what what it's going to look like so that that's another factor that more people may just care about it right now because they just want this distraction so much so uh by the time the world series is being played maybe there's a lot more eyes on it i don't know but it 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 would be. I, I think if you're if you're going to downplay whatever happens this year, I think you're really you know missing a, the bigger picture here. And and I I can't imagine not appreciating if if everything works out and and it's and the season actually happens and it lasts for that many months. I mean that should be reason enough to celebrate. Yeah, I think <clears throat> when you look back at some of the baseball's bigger cultural moments, at least kind of in our lifetimes you think of the Mets and Yankees coming out of 9-11 the that Red Sox team kind of coming together after the Boston Marathon attacks and I think you know whichever team wins it this year assuming there's a season I think they will be uh remembered uh in a huge way I I also think though just watching uh kind of the end of the last dance there and seeing you know grant park filled with people uh reading about kind of the nationals doing this weird like virtual ring ceremony for some of their players um i think it's it's not so much oh you only played half the season i think it would be you know disappointing not being able to share it in a way that you know we all saw what happened in 2016 you know in chicago and across the country uh, that's obviously what makes you know, sports so unique, so important. And you'd be, I guess, you know, maybe by this time in this kind of world we're projecting, maybe you get 25% of a stadium filled 
with fans, but it obviously wouldn't be, you know, kind of that, you know, sea of people we saw uh, at Grant Park or, you know, lining, you know, Lakeshore Drive and Michigan Avenue for that uh, championship parade in 2016. That's a good point. That's a really good point. I think that's that feels like one of those things that you you almost don't want to say because it's like, well, if we can play, we can play and like you just deal with it. But it's kind of like when we were talking with Doug Glanville earlier, um, it's OK to to note the fact that if when fans aren't involved, when there isn't that buzz and connection and sort of like grander spiritual moment among people there, it does change things a bit. And you're right that that however this would play out, maybe the memory of who won would be regarded as special, but like the the moment as it played out might feel um, diminished somehow. So it'll be interesting to see, like I, it's, it's weird to like look forward to having those conversations in posterity, but I hope that we uh, are able to do so. So is there anything else from the survey that you guys, you wanted to make sure to comment on before we, uh, before we head out, I think we're good. We covered a good amount there. Right on, right on. <laughs> Definitely make sure to check it out, folks. Uh, it is still up there at the Cubs page uh, on the Athletic, and um, you know, thank you to everyone who participated. Uh, it was uh, it's always fun. It's always fun to to answer those questions and see how the results are going to be. Uh, glad we got a chance to talk about it. And for you folks out there, I hope you have a safe and healthy and happy um, Memorial Day weekend. And, uh, you know, make sure you're, you're, you're being responsible in that regard. Um, and hopefully when we get back to you next week with a couple episodes, we'll have um, some more particulars on a possible return deal between the players and the owners to discuss. Until then, thank you for listening to On to Waveland. Again, it's the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. You can listen to us anywhere you get your podcasts and you can rate and review us uh, most places where you get your podcasts, probably. So uh, I'm Brett Taylor. Check out my stuff at Bleacher Nation. That's Sahad of Sharma and Patrick Mooney. Catch their stuff at The Athletic. We'll talk to you folks again soon. Thanks. Bye.